Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! Yes. I know the human being and science, science. can just peacefully. This was their finest. All right, guys, welcome to Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. And I'm Sean. You know, I've been ruminating a lot recently Ooh. on the conspiracy. You know, on the kind of just the the devolution of faith in institutions Mm -hmm. and the epiphany or the feeling I kind of had. The basic problem, right, is that a lot of people like there's all these kind of very technical conversations that float around us. Right. Uh, Because of all the different types, all the technologies we have, all the medicines we have, yada, yada, Mm -hmm. all the judicial institutions, even the political institutions. Right. There's a lot of complicated institutions. Yeah. There's whole fields studying them. And meanwhile, for the average person, uh, uh, I mean, it's their fault. They should have been awake more in high school. But um, for the average person, I think that it's easy to mistrust them because on some basic level, you don't know the vocabulary. You don't understand the basic processes that underlie the conversation. And so it's really easy to believe that you've been lied to or to believe people who are saying that you've been lied to or just Joe Rogan, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I was thinking about this vis-a-vis our podcast. Um, we've talked about a lot of methods for developing medicines and drugs, a lot of ways that, um, you know, we've talked, of course, a lot about a lot of fields. I thought it was time that we kind of grind down a little bit and have a granular conversation about how how do you actually make a drug? Sure. Um, why does it take years? Yep. Why does it take money? Yeah. Uh, what are they really doing to us? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And uh, luckily, in this pod, there's a bartender, but yeah. there's also an Whoa. immunology researcher. Oh my god! Whose focus even is on the process itself. Wow! Oh my god! Uh, there's a Nick Borgazzi joke where he says that if there was time travel and he went back in time to the twenties, he doesn't think he knows enough to make a difference. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh boy! Is that true? He'd be like walking around. There'd be a guy like talking on like an old timey phone. He'd be like. You should you should put that in your pocket, buddy. Yeah. Cell phones, okay? The guy's like, oh, how do you do that? He's like, uh, I, it's got to do with satellites, I think, or something. What's a satellite? It's like, ooh, uh, I shouldn't have even said satellites. I don't. You put it up in the sky. And yeah. All I would have done has been like, Hitler, watch out. The Pentagon Papers, they know we're never going to win Vietnam. <laughs> Women pretty useful. Well, guys, so. Given all that, mm-hmm. uh, please welcome my guest, uh, my, my guest Sean Allen, wow. <laughs> immunology researcher. <laughs> Are you going to interview me <laughs> for, for this episode of Petri Dish? Yeah. How to make a drug? Wow. How do you make a drug? That was great. Let's do it. All right. Uh, so, as per usual, annoyingly, <laughs> we we actually need to take a step back and just yeah. establish that there are actually a lot of types of drugs. Yeah, it's it's tough. One of these episodes would be fun to just like kind of do an in media res and just like be, like 
This whole just palm tree flower sh- thing yeah. underground. Yeah. There's He's a cool news story. How about does that. it jizz? That we're gonna be able to jump right into that. <laughs> but uh it is true that in this particular episode, one thing that needs to come up front is that like when we say drugs, yeah, there's a lot of things that you could mean. It's a pretty expansive category of things. Right. Okay. And so one of the first things that I think of are small molecule drugs. Things like Advil or Tylenol yeah. or a lot of the chemotherapeutics that you might take if you have cancer right. or something like that. Um, these are like, they say small molecule in comparison to something like a protein. Right. It's like maybe a dozen atoms, a couple dozen atoms, something like that. So this is lazier, right? Like the scientist who did this is lazy, right? Because all they did was like, ah, just throw some atoms They got lucky. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, some of these are, they're small, they're little chemical structures, they're made of covalently bonded atoms, like maybe like a dozen carbon atoms and a couple dozen hydrogens and... You can toss in like an oxygen and nitrogen or whatever. This is all in contrast to drugs that are large molecules, which are like thousands of atoms, typically protein drugs, which are a pretty different way of being discovered. And then there are drugs that are like living cells that we inject into people. Right, like fecal transplant. Uh, Yeah, sure. My poop's alive. Sure. It talks to me. It it is alive, yeah. (laughs) What have you done to me? (laughs) Oh, that's a fun voice. Where is she? (laughs) (laughs) Um... Yeah, so some treatments are living cells. Some treatments are uh, gene therapy treatments. Right. Uh, CRISPR stuff. You know, so the, there's a lot some of... Some are vampiric treatments, like Death Whoa. Becomes Her. Whoa. Right, you drink some blood. Yeah. Mm. Drink that blood. So there's a few things. Yeah, and so it can be a lot of different kinds of things. Um, so that that's just one kind of up top thing. Right, and, and up- each of those is procedurally different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and the background knowledge you need to kind of do discovery work in one of those kinds of drugs is also different. Right. But if we're going to start talking, it's, it's mainly going to be in small molecules, and we can describe the process sort of uh, how it has worked out. Because right. realistically, drug discovery in a pharmaceutical kind of sense right. is really something that's only happened since, you know, kind of the early-ish 1900s. Right. Before that, we were doing... All kinds of different things to get drugs. We were still doing all of that work, but right. it happened in a fairly different way um, because there were a lot of fields of science that didn't exist at the time. Okay, okay. So let's talk about that then. Let's go back yeah. to the early 1900s. Yeah, yeah. So right. so in the early and mid-1900s, you know, like I'm thinking the 1920s to the 1950s. Right. It's like the penicillin era or something, right? Yeah, and a lot of other small molecule drugs were first isolated, like, you know, isolated out of a plant. Right. And then a lot of work was done to figure out how can we make this, how can we synthesize this without having to extract it from plants over and over. How do you synthesize it? Uh, yeah, so How usually, do you make a small molecule? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a perfectly reasonable question. Yeah. Um, there's a few different ways to approach it. A lot of times you're working from some kind of stock, uh, like, upfront resource. And so what I mean by that is a lot of times it's hydrocarbons from something like oil. Or something okay, like that. okay. So, so the oil industry is good. Like, we talk about how it's bad, but really it's good. And we need to keep it forever. The, the, like, a lot of The it. petrochemical industry yeah. is, I'm going to argue, not fully replaceable for human existence. Right. I think we can stop burning it. Right. We could use a lot more of what we take out of the ground just for making the chemicals that right, we need for right, synthesis. Right. Uh, and then we could get all of our energy a different way. But right. okay. we still need some of that stuff. Slightly different question then. Yeah. Are, are you as excited as I am for the Saudi Pro League in football? <laughs> <laughs> CR7? <laughs> 
Just kidding. Well, uh, um, Benzema! Well, wasn't uh, the... Saudi Arabia was trying to get Messi, weren't they? Uh, well, he's still an ambassador for them. Okay. So he still gets paid to like go to like zoos there and be like, wow, wow. What, how much culture. Zoos. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, but it's true. Instead, like Apple gave him like 2% of like all proceeds. Yeah, for, like, and now he's in Florida. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Somewhere down there? Apparently it was a lifestyle choice. It turns out he's like not a Wahhabi Muslim. Wow. And instead he's like a Miami schmuck. Well, yeah. <laughs> given the choice between the two. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I think I might be. Yeah. I mean, not, neither I might of be them, a Mecca, baby. Neither of them are my favorite, <laughs> you know? but you know. Um, so our synthesis work typically starts with hydrocarbons that come out from petroleum, yeah. basically. Uh, and so that can be things like benzene rings, and it can be things like a lot of different alkanes and That's interesting. and stuff like that. And then you take those building blocks and you perform different chemical reactions. Right. So you'll add in catalysts. Uh, you'll do certain reactions that people have sort of figured out in the 1800s and 1900s. Can I tell you a really stupid, embarrassing confession? Sure. So Andre and I were talking about how if you're close to, like, the blast zone of a nuclear, like, uh, bomb. Yeah. You would just, like, turn into, like, a shadow, right? Okay. And I was thinking about that. And I was like, oh, well, that's because you've been reduced to your most basic elements, right? Like carbon, right? Okay. And I was like, carbon is black. And I was like, that's why when the things burn in the oven, it turns to black stuff. <laughs> and I was like, black is the color of oil. <laughs> and I was like, <gasps> wow. <laughs> and I was like, oh, these are all carbon. <laughs> that's why they burn good. <laughs> wow. Very <laughs> good. <laughs> Very good. Uh <laughs> so, yeah. So, basically, you know, we were doing that kind of stuff. The synthesis yeah. work. That was all really kicking off as an industry. Yeah. 1920s, 1930s, 1940s. Right. Kind of like kind of Germany thing. and America, right? Yeah. But a lot of the molecules that people were isolating and synthesizing were molecules that technically people had an idea about for centuries. Right. This kind of makes sense. It's like low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. like, oh man, people have been taking Ricola yes. for a thousand years. Yeah. Probably something mm, and we got to isolate. We got to isolate the crack cocaine that's in Ricola. That's how they made crack cocaine. That's where it comes from. Yeah. So, um, for example, the treatments for uh, atrial fibrillation and congestive heart failure have been used all over the world for hundreds of years. Um, and it's actually been extracted from different plants and animals by different societies. Wow. So, so just like all other plants and animals don't have this problem? <laughs> well, the, <laughs> all these trees are like, I don't know. <laughs> they don't have hearts. I've, so not, <laughs> I've never had congestive heart failure. Exactly, yeah. Mm. yeah. So, so in Europe, typically... I'm just a willow tree. <laughs> so in Europe, it was typically extracted from foxglove, digitalis. Yeah. But in China, for example, it was uh, extracted from the dried skin of toads, bufo. It is bufo, amazing bufo. how China will be like, we could get this from a plant or we could kill something. Yeah. And they're like, fucking get that toad. Yeah, they were looking at that toad skin. They are like, let's get that fucking shit. I bet you some early Chinese alchemist was like, I could get sunbear bile or just like squeeze a lettuce and it'll get me the same thing. Yeah. And they were just like, I mean, well, one way you get to kill sunbears. Yeah, think about how metal that is. Yeah. Um, but basically, so those two things, yeah. dried toad skin versus foxglove, yeah. have molecules in them that are not the same molecule. Right. Okay. But they're similar enough in the way that they act in our body. Right. That they can be used to treat the same things. There's a couple reasons for that that we'll get into later, but like the shape of a molecule matters a lot. So you yeah. can you can imagine having two things that maybe have a couple different atoms here or there, but their shape is similar and that matters for the function. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I mean uh, fundamentally I will say uh shape is deep, deep down, intrinsically tied to function. Right. At the end of the day, right. all, all of these things are just physical things bumping into each other. Right. 
So the shape is what's determining the function of all of this. Think stuff. about even lovemaking. Yeah. That's really a, a cone. What? It entering like like a slightly bigger hollow cone. Whoa. Right? I mean, it's really geometry. I don't know about a cone. <laughs> um, <laughs> like an isosceles so sure triangle. You got an interesting situation going on. Um, so, how people came to discover the use of these compounds is likely through a combination of careful experimental approaches combined with like generational knowledge of useful right. therapeutic plants and animal extracts. Um, and there were notable examples of situations where the lack of sort of mechanistic knowledge of, like, why this works has resulted in people getting sick or getting treatments that don't help them. Right, like this that. is, I mean, I feel like we all have, well, they're not apocryphal, but we, we always joke about that with medieval treatments, right? Yeah. Like, someone has something that we later learn is gonorrhea, and they're like, throw them in a pond <laughs> and, like, have them drink scum for days. Yeah. And, like, they'll, they'll stop having fire out of the day. Yeah, and it's like... Part of that is because the elements of this that's most apparent are like the symptoms of illnesses. Right. And the alleviation of those symptoms. Right. But the and symptoms are just the phenomenon of what's wrong, right? Most and, of the time, yeah. yeah. And so what that means is that two illnesses can have different root causes but have similar symptoms. Right. You treat them with foxglove extract. Right. It actually helps for one of them, but for the other one, it's actually making the person more sick, right? Right. So foxglove. That was used for some things. It was used for a lot of things. It yeah. really only helped with the heart stuff, huh? Yeah, there was kind of like a foxglove mania almost. Like, people were using it to treat all kinds of shit. And yeah. it was just like, it's not useful for almost any of that stuff. And it's toxic. Oh, interesting. So you really need to be just using it for the thing that it's useful right. for. But um, luckily, back then, doctors doctors got away with a lot back then. Yes. Right? Someone just died. Yeah. I mean, like, well, whatever. Right? I did my best. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. We really, we you don't really know it's actually <laughs> the treatment. <laughs> Um, and, you know, these, these actual bioactive compounds, the molecules in the foxglove plant that are responsible for this treatment activity, right, they can be extracted a lot of different ways by the herbalist or physician or doctor or whatever, right? right? And how they extracted it, how pure it is, how much of it got damaged in the process, all of that can influence how potent it is, right? right. So if you go to one herbalist and get this foxglove extract versus another one, you have no idea if the dosage is similar. Right. Right. One of them could be a toxic amount and the other one could be curative. So there's a lot of fundamental understanding behind like being able to make even the level of safe drugs that we have now. Right. And, you know, I am sort of quote unquote safe. Lots of drugs have adverse effects. Right. They were worse when things weren't known. Right, 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 right. right. So like um, and, and then some drugs that we use. We still don't really know how they function. Yeah, yeah. There are mechanisms behind the bioactivity of some drugs that to this day we do not fully understand. Yeah. And so one of those examples is lithium. Right. That's just a fucking element. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, we don't know yes. why it makes people less crazy. Yeah, it, it, it's used to treat mental illnesses like mania, hypomania, bipolar disorder, and... And that's an enigma wrapped in a mystery already. Yes. Right? Because yes. we're talking about, like, the brain now. Yes, right. a lot of... Actually, a lot of drugs that help with mental illnesses... The mechanism of action is, in some cases, they're hypothesized and have some good evidence. But, like, even, like, exactly why some antidepressants work is, right. like, not 100% right. for sure. You know, you know that Enigma Mystery quote was a Churchill quote about Russia? Really? Yeah, yeah. Like, Andre was looking up the, the quote about that Winston Churchill has. It's like, Russian generals are like pit bulls under a rug. 
and, and so he's looking up Churchill Russia quote and he found that one first and was like holy fuck wow that's funny man yeah yeah Churchill is kind of like what if Boris Johnson was right about some things right <laughs> but also what if Boris Johnson was in charge of a military campaign right because sure. like you know Gallipoli People yeah. forget about that. Winston Churchill got like tens of thousands of and, people. And Churchill Lord was like famously virulently racist. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I mean, Boris Johnson, Boris Johnson is <laughs> he's more jovially racist. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, like modernity has done this terrible thing to Boris Johnson, whereas he could have been hilarious <laughs> in the 1910s. Yeah, Boris Johnson in World Poor War One would have been like chef's kiss. Poor guy. <laughs> yeah, he's really the victim in all of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> as we well know, and he tells us. <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, anyway. um, so disciplines like physiology, chemistry, biology, all of these things have come like a ridiculously long way right. over the course of centuries right? and are currently at a point where modern drug discovery is trying to leverage all of that knowledge that we have right. to try to help with the discovery and development process for these drugs. Okay. And so now, a lot of times when we're trying to come up with a new treatment for something, a new drug, it begins with trying to figure out a target to approach. Okay. Okay, let's take a break. Wow. <laughs> and uh, after the break, we'll be right back. Right? Yeah. yeah, we will. That sounds good. All right. Do you like food? Do you like tires? Then check out our hit new podcast, Jimmy and Giordano's Treadwell Tire Reviews. Our motto is simple. Good food, fat portions, burnt rubber. This ain't no Michelin reviews. We ain't Michelin. We're thick-blooded, Velveeta American babes here to help you find your next favorite Houti Quasini experience. Mmm, <laughs> this foie de Grassi is excellent. They really stuffed this goose. We give this five out of five tires. <laughs> this fellet mignon is shit. Shit! The fillet mignon has got no flavor. It's got no flavor. Two blown tires. If you're the kind of person who needs a tire company to tell you what to eat, choose the right tire company. Don't go French. Show American by joining me, Jimmy, a noted felon, and Giordano, Guy Fieri's dog walker, every Monday at Jimmy and Giordano's Treadwell Tire Restaurant Reviews. All right, Sean, so when you say finding a target, we want to make a new drug, we're just drug guys. We're making new drugs. Yep. We want a target. Yep. We don't mean the teenager on the street with the vape pen. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about illnesses this right is now. Like a, this is like a personal vendetta. <laughs> Sometimes you're walking Ian and like a teenager blows vape on his face or something. Oh, my God. And to me, I see my baby, I'm like, he's defenseless. Blow smoke on him. I'm an adult man, damn it. And they're like, yeah, you're a loser. Oh, man. Uh, um, anyway, okay, so so it seems, it sounds simple. I want a new drug. I got to find something to treat. Yeah. But actually, you know, kind of talking about the fundamental knowledge thing you were saying earlier, it's kind of hard to know what, what exactly we're treating. Yeah, some, some illnesses are non-trivial when it comes to figuring out why a person is sick. Some illnesses are trivial. Like, 
Like third degree burns. <laughs> like 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 donkey brains. Yeah, like donkey brains. Like dum dum head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um so <laughs> And the only achievement is a hammer to the head. <laughs> Woo! Um there are diseases and disorders today that have no known root cause, and therefore discovering a cure for that disease is very difficult. What's a what's an example? Yeah, so uh like let's say there are people who are coming in with uh shortness of breath, yeah. fatigue, chest pain, brain fog. Right. Um, those are symptoms that are kind of occurring in different spots in the body. Right, 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 right. So you're, you know, uh, initially, you're, like, what the hell? You're, you're trying to figure out some kind of underlying root cause, right. right? But that's a lot of different organ systems. That's a pretty complicated one to figure out, like, what is truly behind that. Right. That's long COVID. Yeah. I kind of skipped some notes here. Yeah. But okay. So that's a description of long COVID. And long COVID is an example of a disease that is right caused by now, vaccines. <laughs> you bastard. You bastard. <laughs> Boy, dude, I had someone at the bar telling me stuff like that. And yeah. I was just like, I thought we were done with this. No, like, never yeah. done. Yeah, very much not. RFK um, Jr., am I right? Yeah, I mean, there, there are people saying that uh, this year, three times more people have gotten cancer, and it's because of the vaccine. So, and it's just, like, demonstrably not true. Right. From, like... Googleable statistics. Several <laughs> levels, yeah. It's like, you just look at the numbers. They're not, they're not triple. Yeah. So, um, but long COVID. Yeah. Okay. We don't know what causes it. We yeah. don't actually. There are some hypotheses out there. One example hypothesis is something called microvascular blood clotting, which is like really tiny blood clots that are happening in like smaller blood vessels. Right. And they result in like a drop in the oxygen levels in multiple places in your body. And that's how it can like attack different areas right. and stuff like that. But, you know... At a certain point, you need to try to accumulate some evidence for what you think the root cause is, and then you need to try to figure out some kind of approach to actually solve that problem, right? right? So if it is microvascular blood clots, you need to figure out some kind of way to break down those blood clots, right? preferably without compromising the person's ability to form normal blood clots, because those are important for, like, not bleeding out all the time. Right, sure. And that could be a pretty tough, tall order to do. So there are definitely circumstances where we we just don't know yet, right? right. And so that's that's going to require some work, yeah, to try to figure out plausible root causes right. and then test them. And you always have to first check if it's lupus or not, which <laughs> uh, we've seen house like thirty minutes. We've seen house, yeah, okay, and it's never lupus except that one time it was lupus. Yeah, that was good. Curveball. It's a good episode. The only surprising episode <laughs> that show ever made. Um, yeah, but annoyingly. In all the other episodes, they're always like, it could be lupus. And then in the lupus episode, they never mention lupus until yeah. like the very end. They're like, oh shit, it was lupus. Yeah. Bastards. Anyway, <laughs> um, in some cases, we actually know a pretty good amount of the disease, but we're still trying to figure out what like the best direction to approach it is. Mm-hmm. So for example, if you take like a specific cancer, like uh, hepatocellular carcinoma or something like that. Okay. So uh, liver cancer. Sure. (laughs) Um, I believe you. In a general sense, we know that cancers share in common this dysregulated growth of cells. Right. Uh, Spelled with a Y. Yes, dysregulated is spelled with a Y. Crazy. Um, And it's typically spurred on by accumulation of mutations that sort of unleash the cells from the normal controls that are in place. Yeah, which we know from movies is sometimes good. To unleash. That's how you, like, get mutants. Oh, yeah. But sometimes if you unleash, it gets bad. Like Kevin Bacon. Or in first class. Sure, sure. And, I mean, you know. And in cancer. I mean, in a sense, it's it's tough because Magneto was killing Nazis and that's nice. Yeah. You know what I mean? We like that. Yeah. 
But then sometimes but he he's went not too nice. far. Sometimes he's not nice. He goes too far. <laughs> so that's tough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you are my friend. <laughs> uh, so it'd be kind of funny if there's a crossover with him in that Al Pacino show. Where on Amazon Prime, where they kill Nazis in the 70s. Oh, yeah. That'd be funny if Magneto, just Magneto shows up. That makes the movie better or yeah. show better. Um, so we know that we need to get rid of these cancer cells. Yeah. Right? But how? There's actually a lot of different ways that cancer cells survive and thrive. And any one of those could be good targets, mm. as far as we know, for ways to stop cancer cells. Like we could try to attack some of the ways that they proliferate so much. Right. Um, one approach is, for example, th- there's a number of cancers uh, like colorectal cancers and breast cancers where if you look at the actual tumor in a person, yeah, you can see that there's blood vessels kind of like growing into the tumor. Cool. And supplying that tumor with nutrients and stuff like that. And in a lot of those patients, the more blood vessels they have supplying that tumor, the worse their prognosis is, mm. the more likely they are to succumb to that tumor. So you have this information, this this idea that, okay, more blood vessels means a worse outcome. And that is a pretty reasonable starting point for like, okay, well, what if we try to develop a drug to reduce the amount of blood vessels in the area to make right. it so that you can't get as much food to the tumor? Okay. Right? And so uh, you might try to like look around to see what information is out there about like how do how do blood vessels grow in the first place, right? right? Like these tumors are popping up in a spot. It didn't used to have a bunch of blood vessels there. Right. It must be somehow creating new blood vessels, sure, causing sure. them to grow. And so you can look around at the literature. There's plenty of people doing a lot of research on trying to understand fundamental mechanisms like that. So, for example, uh, there were a couple of scientists, Ferrara and Hensel. And they were working at Genentech in 1989. And they published this paper about how they were taking cow pituitary glands and, and getting cells out of them by yeah. like kind of smushing them up a little bit, putting them into Petri dishes to try to understand, like, what kinds of signals those cells were sending out. Because the pituitary gland is a place that, like, produces a lot of hormones and stuff. Right. And this was a time where, like, literally we just, we, there are a lot of hormones we didn't know about. Right. Like, we just, there's a lot of signals we didn't know yet. And they found that there was some kind of peptide, some kind of uh, short protein that was getting secreted from these cells that gives signals to other cells to make them grow. Mm. And in this case, that peptide was very specific in that the the cells that it helped to grow were vascular endothelial cells, which are the cells that make up the walls of blood vessels. Right. And so it seemed like, okay, maybe this peptide is involved in making new blood vessels, developing your vascular system. Especially like if you're an embryo or something like that. All right. So, so. We, we don't like cancer. Uh, cancer tumors are causing, are making that cancer bad. Yeah. Uh, we notice a lot of blood vessels are in going to that tumor. So one way to attack this problem, cut off the blood supply, cut off the blood vessel development. Yeah. All right. And now we're trying to leverage some of this background information, right? All right. And um, what I want to do here is kind of go into the weeds a little bit on how you actually make a discovery like this. Should we take a... Okay, so how, how, let's take a break then. Okay. Okay, and then after we take a break, we're going to do what you just said. Yeah, after <laughs> we take a break, we're going to talk about, about getting that. in the weeds. Okay, we're gonna get in the how do we actually do this? All right. The following is an actual advertisement. Hey guys, Stacy Sung here. My mother-in-law, Natalie Song Allen, has just written a book called Jack and Tito. It's a children's book and it's available on Amazon. Centered around two friends, 
Jack the Snail and Tito the Seagull, this is a joyous and ultimately poignant story that will resonate with any child or adult who has experienced love and loss. It's a wonderful book with wonderful illustrations by artist K.P. Singh, and I hope you check it out. Jack and Tito, a story of friendship, sacrifice, and a life well lived, available now on Amazon. So the reason why I want to get into the weeds a little bit here is because, Nathan, what you were talking about, about like kind of a more basal understanding of like, what is science even doing? Right. right? On like a day-to-day basis, like what does this actually involve? Right. And, I, you know, uh, this this is kind of an old experiment. I read the paper. It's from 1989. This is like a little bit older school way of doing certain steps. Yeah. But it does get down to sort of the nitty gritty of like, there's like painstaking step-by-step work that has to happen. Right. Um, and so, and this is, it's interesting you say that this is sort of stuff that is detailed in a good paper, right? And obviously this is the sort of stuff that almost never really gets out into the broader science media right? or to NPR or something like yeah. whatever we consume because like this shit is lame. Yeah. But like, it is of course important for other scientists to know right. for replication and it actually does exist. It's just you, the schmuck <laughs> are too fucking illiterate. To fucking read it yourself. I mean, look, so the papers, papers vary really wildly in how readable they are. Right. But good papers have the information there. And right, sometimes right. it's a little bit hard to understand what they're saying. Right. And sometimes it's easier. And really, but... most bad papers are just in Alzheimer's research. <laughs> right. Most other fields are fun. <laughs> so, so what did they do here? They needed cow pituitary glands, which they definitely just got out of slaughtered cows. I was about to say gross. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then they needed to process those in How a way. How big is a cow pituitary gland? Uh, it's probably like a, 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 a tidy fistful, isn't it? It's that's probably a good pretty question. Big, huh? I would have put it more like peanut sized. Peanuts? Yeah. Wow, God. So pituitary glands are pretty small, huh? I think so, but also I don't think cow brains are actually that big. Oh, interesting. In the scheme of things. <laughs> right. All right, anyway. Uh, okay, okay. So, so we go to slaughterhouses to get a yeah. bunch of pituitary glands. Right. And then we need to process those in a way where we get living cells out, right? So you okay. can't just toss them in a blender and just like liquefy that shit. Right. All the cells torn up. Yeah, because then gonna be... you're, you're not going to get living cells out of it that can make the little peptides or hormones It'll or whatever. It'll taste good. Sure. We all know that. Of course. But... It won't be good for yeah. Research. There won't be any living cells. You get cells like in a it. protein shake out of it, but that's yeah. not what we're doing here. Yeah. Okay. So Mark Zuckerberg might drink it uh, after he unfortunately <laughs> will not fight Elon Musk. Oh, did he decide not to? Elon Musk's mom apparently did some public announcement that was like, "This is not happening." What the fuck is going on? I know. Isn't it such what a the, shame? What the fuck is the point of like li- literally? What's the point of being alive? It I would, don't even understand. It would it. almost be worth having these people be as rich as they are if like we got to watch them fight once. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I would like, I'd want to see them like fight pretty hard. You know yeah, I mean? yeah like, dude. Like, well, I'd want to see like Zuckerberg like crying as he beats Elon Musk's face well, into a ball. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Is that like you would have fucking savaged Elon Musk? <laughs> he's doing a lot of MMA and he's like 11 years younger. It would have been fun. It would have been. I but mean, like, it seriously, like, I, I, I want to. Like, anyway, it doesn't matter, guys. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter. No, nothing happens anymore. Hey, nothing also. Matters. We actually, submarine, huh? There's a lot of news that happened. (laughs) (laughs) The Wagner? I was about to say the Wagners. Like, it's a family. (laughs) It's the Wagners. (laughs) (laughs) Kill them all! (laughs) So much happened between recordings. A lot of stuff happened. Yeah, well, let's not not touch upon it, because there's a lot of podcasts and all those. I like James Cameron throwing shade. 
Oh, and yeah. being like, I've been saying since 2013 that carbon yeah. fiber is super stupid. Yeah. yeah. And Boy. he's right. He's like a smart guy. You know what's the smartest thing about James Cameron? Is he was sitting he was sitting there and he's like, I could spend a week figuring out a good plot. <laughs> or I could make a billion dollars, bitch. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he's been doing that for 20 years, baby. That's, that's, you gotta work smarter, yeah. not harder. He spent okay? like a weekend on the plot of Aliens and he's like, never again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he learned his lesson. He's like, I could have spent all Saturday designing a robot. Yeah, I don't want to hear anyone say that James Cameron isn't smart. Dude he's is smart, okay. genius. He, he's a smart dude. He's transcended narrative. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. Okay. So, so uh, at the end of the day, a lot of times you need to take those tissues and you need to like kind of grind them gently. Oh, you can gross. do some things with like bead mills, where basically like you put them in a little container with like metal beads. Yeah, that's how you make gunpowder, right? Isn't that how you refine? Um, Oh. Like delicate explosives? Yeah, maybe. I think so, maybe. yeah. Um, or or in some cases, it involves like taking frosted glass slides and like crushing the pituitary wow, gland and like, rubbing it. To get Is that. this like some schmuck in your lab does this? I mean, in, during my PhD, I had to do shit like this. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, not with pituitary glands, but with like mouse spleens and stuff Gross. like that. I had, to, I had to grind them up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 dude. All right, all right. Um, once they had living cells hanging out in a petri dish, they could collect what was called conditioned media. So, so cells that come from mammals are used to living in like a liquid environment. Right. So when they're in the dish, they're not just like sitting there. Uh, like uh, sometimes, I don't know if people from, I don't know, high school or something did like a bacteria plate on agar. Right. Or something like that. In that situation, there's no liquid there. Right. right? But normally when you grow mammalian cells in a dish... They're within a liquid. Interesting. And that liquid is what we call media. Okay. Media okay. or the medium that you're growing them in is like the food and everything. Right. But it's also where they dump out anything they're secreting. That's actually what the new guy for Tucker Carlson slot, that's what he lives in too. <laughs> he lives in this giant conditioned media. Oh. Spice. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bring Dune into yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> that's fine. He just poops out that's little okay. balls. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure that all lines up, but so that's okay. immigrants. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, um, I have was that also Minority Report? Yeah. <laughs> I have transcended space and time to discover that I'm more boring than Tucker Carlson. So, uh, so that liquid the cells are living in, if you let them, like, hang out in that liquid and secrete whatever they're going to secrete and poop out whatever they're going to poop out, right. that media becomes, quote-unquote, conditioned. Gross. So, that conditioned media for these scientists, is like a potential gold mine. Because okay. who knows what those cells were secreting out, right? Are there, like, companies that just do that? Or is that something that kind every lab of. has to do on its own? Because they have Oh, uh, usually labs will do it themselves. Okay, okay. Because, kind of depending on what stuff you care about in the conditioned media, you might need to store it differently. Oh, there it you go. It might need to be, like, in deep freeze so that, like, you don't ruin any of the stuff that got secreted. All right. So anyway, so then they grab this media... And we're talking like six liters of it yeah. or so. And then they purify it and purify it and purify it down all until they just get like a few drops of this stuff by doing something called chromatography. Okay. okay. And chromatography is like a little complicated. Yeah, and I kind of hate its name. Oh, yeah? I don't know. It's just chrome sounds like... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I totally get how the how it makes sense, but like it drives me nuts the name. I don't know. Yeah. It sounds like something... Sounds like plating on a car or something. I don't, I don't know. You yeah, know? yeah. Well, it, it also, I mean, I think the chromatography technically has something to do with color. Right. And it's something about, like, separating 
color things, but like, whatever, it doesn't matter. The point is, chromatography is a way of basically separating stuff mm-hmm. based off of properties of that stuff. Okay. And we're usually talking about molecules. Right. And that can be stuff like, how big is the molecule? What shape is it? Okay. Like, is it, is it kind of long and stringy like a spaghetti? Right, are we talking about a spaghetti? Or are we talking <laughs> about like a ravioli? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a spaghetti! <laughs> or is it some gabagoo? <laughs> uh, it's a lasagna! <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it can be long and stringy right, like right, spaghetti. Right, right. right. Or like, a, you know, it could be like a little ravioli type shape, right? Okay. So different shapes, different electrical charges. Yeah. And it might have different affinities for binding to shit. Right. Like certain proteins like to bind to other proteins and is stuff. It, is it an important part where the scientist has to decide the category to, to separate things into, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So often what will happen is you'll, especially if you're like really in the dark, you'll just try several. Right. Right. And you'll, you'll do things like, oh, I'll run a size exclusion chromatography. And that means the bigger stuff runs through it faster than the smaller yeah. stuff. I'm going to hit you with a real stupid question. I hope you're ready. Yeah, what's up? If you could just, like, Paul Rudd Ant-Man a scientist to uh-huh. get him real small, yeah. would that actually make everything a lot faster because they could, like, literally see or interact, like, go, like, maybe, like, swim over to where the tumor is and, like, see if it's just, like, a protein that's shaped a certain way nudges into somewhere? Yeah. So yeah, like a, it would be so a certain amount of the so so a certain amount of the difficulty why it's so in the dark is because like our scale is just so so different yeah. so like we have to just kind of the only way we can see if something's working or not is is like the symptoms is the impact it has on like blood vessel growth in our original example yeah yeah Whereas, like and if you were I, a lizard man yeah you and, would just you would just see what the proteins are doing right and just to be clear all of the steps that I've described so far is just to get to a point where we have a pure sample of the peptide. Right. Like, we don't even know what the peptide does yet. Right. We're just trying to get to a point where we have pure samples of that stuff. Right. Very difficult. Okay, okay. So we're doing chromatechmo, and we're yeah. splitting up our shits into different categories. Yeah, and so the, the way that it works is you basically have this tall column, and you pour stuff into it that looks kind of like sand, yeah. and that sand has some kind of property. Yeah. Okay, and at the top of the column, you put your juice... Yes. You put the conditioned media. Stop looking at me like juice. Like, I, juice? like I'm thinking about... Uh, you know, I'm not like that. You know what it is. I'm not like and that. Then, and then you let that juice run through the column. And as it comes through the column, uh, it'll interact with the sandy stuff that you put in there. All right. And get sort of sorted by its interaction. Okay. And so one sort of example of how this kind of sorting works is like, let's say you're at a bookstore with your buddy, right? And you're walking down one of the aisles... And Nathan, you're a weeb. No, but I, your buddy is not a weeb. I'm not. I not only am I not a weeb, but I am upset that like everyone puts little anime decals of big boobies like on the cars down here in Gardena. Oh yeah, I've it's seen like, some of those. So weird. And I, I dislike I just, that. I despise. It. I really don't like it. I actually and don't I'm like more of a weeb. Yeah, I don't like anything on any car actually. Yeah, like you know, like all those like blue lives matters sure. things. I mean that. Yeah. It's, ugh, it's I mean, it's, it's honestly, like, even like the the like coexist thing, I'm like I understand yeah, yeah, yeah. how this is more yeah. on my side of things than yeah. not, but like I still don't like it on your car. Even baby on board, I'm like I don't even care. I bet it's wrong. <laughs> yeah, I bet there's no baby there at all. Wow. But uh, but yeah, no, the anime ones. I feel like they're proliferated too, without like a corresponding huge jump in anime zeitgeist. I feel like now I'm just seeing all these yeah. anti girls on cars and like yeah. 
I've seen a couple of them, and I've I been like, like it. I've been astonished. Yeah, like we live in a society still. Like, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. All of a sudden, I feel very conservative, yeah. and I'm like, "That's uncouth." <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> like, shield Ian's eyes. Just like walk faster, walk oh, faster. Oh man. Uh, okay, so so we're walk. You and I are walking yeah. through a bookstore. Asking, ask Stacy to shield my eyes, <laughs> and we walk down an aisle that's yeah. got a bunch of manga yes. books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm a weeb. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm like stopping for a second. I'm like kind of looking through and everything. Yeah. But you're not stopping at all because you're like, I need to get out of this section. Yeah. I don't even want to be seen here. I right? learned that the hard so, way in Japan. So you are like tight butt speed walking <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. through this aisle. And so you get separated from me, right? Yes. You pass through the aisle very quickly, whereas I, I take a long time because I'm like flipping through the manga. I'm like thumbing through, right? I'm so, like, so that's the process of this media going through this kind right. of sand thing you're describing. Right. Yeah. And so some of the things are going to take longer. They're going to dwell longer. Mm. And other ones are going to pass through quickly. Yeah. And then you just collect little drops at the end. Yeah. And you'll like take a bunch of test tubes and each test tube gets like a couple of drops and you number them. You're like, mm. these were the first two drops and these were the second okay. two. Okay, wow. And then every single one of those... You test them to see what they do. You test them and see like, oh, does this make cells grow? Does this make cells grow? Does this make cells grow? For like, you know, potentially hundreds of test tubes. Right. How do you know when to put in a different test tube? Like, like uh, You don't always know. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Wow, yeah. all right. You kind of need to decide what, how, how many drops are going to be per tube. Right. Yeah. This is why we can't let scientists unionize. <laughs> I have literally spent hours doing this. Like, literally this. Yeah. Literally chromatography, collecting individual tubes as yeah. the stuff comes through. I've so literally done this. So you could totally this. play some video games with me at work. That sounds to me like you could play some no, video No, because, dude, you need to... I'm, I'm literally physically yeah. moving the tube rack oh, man. one tube at a time. <laughs> And counting the drops that go in. That sucks. Because it's like, right. oh, well, this one's and five And you can't drops. really automate that because there's the judgment call of when to move the tube, I okay, suppose. to be fair. Yeah. If you have enough money, you can automate it. Oh, okay. <laughs> there, just, there are automated versions of this now. Yeah. It's just... In grad school, grad students are disposable. Right, <laughs> so, right, right, so, right, right, right. So you just toss, you just toss bodies at the problem. Sure, the unlimited reagent <laughs> yeah. is not automated machines. Yeah, it's, it's grad student humans. time and, and sanity. So yeah. like you just toss, you just toss them at. People it. never think about that. It's like yeah, sure, we got a lot of machines, but we have seven billion people. Yeah, yeah, and you, Eat just, them. you just toss them in. Um, so that's all chromatography stuff. And they did this chromatography. They found that certain, they're called fractions. Yeah. But basically the test tubes. Yeah. They found certain test tubes had something in the liquid that would make blood vessel cells mm -hmm. grow. Okay, then you got to run it back? Because uh, you got to figure out what's in the test tube, right? Yes. Right. Yes. And there's a, multiple ways you can do that. At the time, what you most likely would do is you take a little sample of that. Yeah. And you'd kind of combine it with different chemical reactions to see if it changed colors. Come on, this is the 80s. I think we all know that an evangelical priest, you'd invite him in. And he'd be like, it is blessed. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd get some water and he'd be like, be this water. <laughs> Christ compels you. <laughs> and then you'd make a killing online. Yeah. Not online. It's the 80s. Yeah. On TV. There we go. <laughs> there we go. And even radio. <laughs> uh, almost yeah. still, yeah. So, um, they decided to name this peptide yeah. that they finally discovered VEGF. <laughs> Which stands for vascular endothelium growth factor. You sure? VEGF. <laughs> All right. You're gonna have to accept it. That's what it's called. Um, I think it's a VEGF. <laughs> so they, they wanted to be able to demonstrate that this indeed is doing what they said they were doing. Right. Right. And so through another pretty lengthy process, 
that I kind of remember because I did it once during undergrad, but don't totally remember. Sure. They made what are called monoclonal antibodies. Right. And those monoclonal antibodies specifically bound to this peptide and kept it from doing what it's supposed to do. All right. So they made what are called anti-VEGF antibodies. Yes. And so these antibodies successfully blocked up the VEGF. Yeah. And then the blood vessels didn't grow. Did you hear the Romanian police arrested an anti-VEGF guy? Uh, recently, I think Andrew Tate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's like super anti-Vegef. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I heard. I Something heard. about Vegef that's very evocative. Him and his brother. Yeah they're, yeah, they're kind of the mirror universe version of us. I was about to say, how close are we? <laughs> think about the thin blue line that is between us and them. Oh my god. <laughs> Well, you said it, buddy. <laughs> I said it. We <laughs> was all thinking it. Literally arrested for sex trafficking. So please <laughs> Crazy. think about that for not a second. Funny. That's <laughs> not funny. That's not funny. Okay. So they made these antibodies. They show, okay, indeed, blocking these VEGF uh, peptides from doing their job makes it so the blood vessels don't grow. Okay. So all of this information that I just told you is background information. Yeah. For the actual drug part of this. Wow, right? okay. So you needed all of that background information to be able to then say later on, hey, we have these cancers that are growing blood vessels in. Wow. What if it's because they make a lot of VEGF? What What if the VEGF is the part gotta, that's doing all this? I don't know. I'm so embarrassed that I find VEGF so funny. What is like, so funny about VEGF to you? <laughs> Do you want to do something else? <laughs> I don't know. I'm ashamed. Like, it's just you, VEGF. Is you VEGF just, better? No, you just keep saying VEGF. Yeah, VEGF. It's tickling me a little it's bit. It's VEGF. All right. All right. So, Oof. that was a new hypothesis. It was like, okay, what if this peptide is the reason why tumors are able to grow in blood vessels. Okay. And then what happens if we block that peptide? Right. Then maybe you can't get the blood vessels anymore. Right. Okay. And they already had this antibody. Right. That can block this peptide. So now we finally get to do an experiment. Yeah. Yeah. But it's actually kind of a more challenging experiment than some chemotherapy treatments. Uh, right. Than some chemotherapy Like foxglove. Yeah, that's sure. very simple. I didn't say it worked. Yeah, well, so it's simple be, because because a lot of chemotherapy treatments are supposed to act directly on the cancer cells and kill them. Right. And so you can take cancer cells, put them in dishes, toss on the chemicals, and see does it kill the cancer cells? Right. right. It's a pretty straightforward experiment. Yeah. This is not that. You can't just toss this antibody onto cancer cells and expect it to do anything right. because that's not the point of it. It doesn't act on the cancer cells. It acts on the blood vessels and keeps them from growing in. That's a very difficult thing to do in a dish. Right. Like a very difficult thing to see happen in a dish. So they had to do a mouse model to be able to see it. Right. So they had to take human cancer cells, put them into a mouse, let that develop into a tumor that had blood vessels, right. and treat it with this antibody and see if the blood vessels receded or didn't grow as much right. and stuff like that. And it worked. But even then, we still have a couple wrinkles, right? Yeah. So, first of all, mice are mice and humans are humans. So, reportedly. Uh, so, if you take like a normal mouse and Except you. Except the mice men! Wow. I'm not going to tell you who the mice men are, but you've met one. Wow. You even made love to one. Oh. <laughs> wow. That's... What was tickling that? It wasn't a pinky, it was a tail. You wow. Fool. That's kind of useful. <laughs> yeah. Just an extra thing to do a little tickling. I didn't say mass men were bad. Oh, uh, that's true. That's yeah. true. Sorry. They're fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you gotta pay. So, normal mice, if you take human cancer cells and inject it into a normal mice, 
the normal mouse has an immune system. The immune system kills the human cancer cells, right. and then nothing fucking happens. Sexy. Okay. So what you need is a mouse that is genetically fucked up such that they do not have most of their immune system. Okay. And then you take some of those mice and you put human cancer cells in. Wow. And then that grows. But the way that you put it in and it's into a mouse that's missing a lot of their immune system, the way that that cancer grows is like not exactly the way that it happens in humans. Right. right? It's like not wow. the same circumstance. And so sometimes there are things that work in mice that do not work in humans. Jesus. And potentially there are things that don't work in mice that could have worked in humans. And those things we like literally will never know. Okay. Because if they can't get through the mouse step, yeah. we're never going to put them into a clinical trial. Right. So, like, it's just, like, that's, like, a missing chunk of drugs that maybe could have worked in humans, but just won't. Yeah. We, we won't know. Wow. Interesting. All right. So, how, what you've described so far, first of all, it's worth saying, we still haven't made the drug. Right? Yeah. We, we've yes. gotten to the point where maybe we decide to make a drug. Uh, right? Well, the, so they tested the antibody. Yeah. And the antibody is the drug. No. Okay, okay. And so actually that antibody, Avastin, All right. is actually FDA approved. Avastin? Yeah. That's fine. Avast! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, for treating cancer. All right. As it turns out, while it's really, really good in mice, it doesn't really work in humans by itself for a lot of cancers. Bummer. But it works in combination with other chemotherapy drugs. Like, we, it makes those other chemotherapy drugs work better. We must have an incredible amount of good medicines for mice by now huh oh yeah oh That's yeah we, we can cure mice of all kinds of shit is it ethically better to test on humans <laughs> <laughs> there, there are there's a debate about that yeah, actually. yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a complicated bioethical debate <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah um we won't wade into here we're not the emmanuel brothers i mean to, uh, to, be, fair, to be fair to that line of argument there are people who say basically Animal studies are not sufficiently predictive yeah. of the human result right. to make the pain and suffering the animals go through worth it. Yeah, and that's true. They could be food. And it's like, that's, I think, a fairly reasonable argument, right. except I don't think that there's anything to replace them that's, like, that good yet. Yeah. So that's, that's tough. Uh, so, like, how did you still like science after years of this tedium? Yeah, that's a good question, and I have seen a number of graduate students not like science anymore and quit. Yeah. Right? So, like, definitely there is attrition in the process. Yeah. And I think for a lot of the scientists that continue to be scientists, it's because they find some element of it actually stimulating. Right. Even if all of the rest of it is terrible. Yeah, well, it's funny because, you know, back in college, you used to play a lot of World of Warcraft, and I always thought it was interesting how you really enjoyed tedious tasks like crafting. Yeah. And now what I realize is that they were remarkably cognitively interesting compared to the science you were doing. <laughs> well, I wasn't doing that much science during college. <laughs> That's true. Um, Celtic but, studies. But, I, I mean, what I will say is that one thing I find attractive about science is that you are able to ask questions and then at least try to figure out an answer. All right. And a lot of times it doesn't work out. That's true. And a lot of times you don't get an answer. Yeah. But at least you got to try. And I think that, like, yeah. there's something about that that's fun. Yeah, it's similar in bartending, where I'm like, do you want wine? And they're like, no. And you're like, you can leave. <laughs> <laughs> it was the I wrong to, answer. I have, to, I have to find that. Yeah. <laughs> I got to delve into yeah. those depths. You, you get out of here. <laughs> and someone's like, Nathan, did you know that people get the vax? 
are like four times more likely to die of COVID, and I gotta be like, yeah, but what kind of white wine do you like? <laughs> and they're like, yo, but wait, Nathan, yeah. you gotta listen to me. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait. Yeah. Do you like rosé better? That is complicated. Yeah, yeah. That's I got a pretty... It. Woo, so you and I, our jobs are actually a lot more similar We're than We're doing a lot of the same stuff. <laughs> That's interesting. All right, so, so for you, the tedium is tedious. Yeah. But it's worth it because you are, because you, you can, I mean, it's, it's imagination, if you will. You can imagine a goal, you can keep that in your head, and yep. you are driving towards it even through remarkably tedious work. Yeah, and I will say that a lot of times the point of getting promoted and ranking up is to do less and less of that tedious work. Right, right, And then course. to unfortunately do more and more of other tedious work. Oh, like right. Meetings writing and, and supervising people yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. But to do less lab work. And then have underlings do your lab work for you. Yeah. Well, that's still, it's still good that you have as much tedium. Because what I was worried you'd say is to do less of it and be like, well, that's such an unfair power structure. But instead, you've merely shackled yourself to different yeah. forms of tedium. Yeah, it, it switches a little bit. Oh, that's good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that in the <laughs> right? Because I'd be like, people want to fuck a scientist. Oh, well, that's true. <laughs> we are all swimming in it. That's accurate. You're swimming um, in it. Okay. You had a lot of sexy people at your office. So look. I don't want to be inappropriate because I know a lot of people listen, but fuck, there's yeah. a lot of sexy people there. Nathan was excited. It's true. It's Ooh. true. I saw him. I saw him. I don't want to be graphic, but I was rock hard the whole time I was at the Fox Hill malls afterwards. The Panda Express lady finally came out from behind the Panda yeah, Express and yeah. said, please, sir. She had to say something. Get soft. Yeah, see something, say something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, I'm sorry, miss. You'll have to escort me out of this Nordstrom rack. It's a good sort of Tim yeah. Robinson thing. You're gonna do. I like it. Um, okay, so, guys, that's the end of this episode. Next time, yeah. what we're going to talk we're about. We're not done. Yeah. Mm. All of this was about finding the target, really. Yeah. Right? And the next time, we're going to talk about, like, how do you actually get the molecule? Yeah. Or whatever it is that's actually the drug. Yeah. Like, where does that shit come from? How do you figure out which one works and everything mm. like that? That's a that's a pretty big endeavor. Right. And there's actually several ways to do it. Uh, and they sort of take different approaches on it. And it's a pretty, I think, cool way of being able to discover new things. Mm. Um, and it ties a little bit into the, like, sort of philosophy of science. So we'll, yeah. we'll do all that next episode. Uh, cool. So good job, Nathan, you did it this episode. Hey, good job, too. Wow. Wow. Well, you did as good of a job as you always do, which is, say, an excellent job. Wow. And I promote you from guest host... Oh, shit. ...to host. Wow. Now I'm the guest. (laughs) 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 So Uh, you better treat me better. (laughs) All right. So let's say thank you to Stacey Song, our sound lord and engineer. Right now she's... Teaching Ian how to swim. She's she's at the pool. If you heard any children (laughs) screaming, that is her. That's good. Yeah. Um, uh, We have an email address, petridishpod at Mm gmail.com. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash petridish. Nice. And yeah, you know, hit us up if you got a question. But not if you got a comment. I don't want to hear no comments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah, 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 Questions only. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Or answers. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we'll see you all next time. Whoa. Bye. Bye. Thank you.